How good to be with you this morning. Every once in a while, it's kind of fun to mix things up a little bit. And normally, we're doing music at the end as a, a response to God of everything we've learned in the morning. But today, we decided to, to go at the beginning. And it's really funny. I, I had to be out of town this week for a couple of days. And I don't use my phone at all uh, anywhere near my bedroom at night. I like to sleep far, far, far away the, from the dings and pings, which, by the way, I got a ping. I got a... There we go. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but while I'm away, I use the alarm on it. And so the alarm goes off the one morning at 5.45, and, and the, the alarm is do it again, the song do it again. And I'm laying there thinking, we haven't done that song for a long time. We really need to do that one. And then I come into church this morning, and my alarm is playing. So that was, I, I love that. I think it's, it's still, it remains one of my favorite songs, just being reminded of what God's done in the past, and he's there to do it again. So Well, and hopefully you got up the first time instead of hitting snooze and then oh, again. Yeah, that's not what do it again means, right? <laughs> so, yeah, interesting week. It was one of those weeks It was very, 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 very full, and it seemed like no matter how much I tried, I wasn't quite getting it right, yeah. which was really frustrating. So had a, a Green Lake board meeting here at the end of the week. It was fun to get, you know, just to check in on the progress of all that's happening there. And um, those meetings normally run, they start Thursday, they go all day Friday, and they end Saturday morning. And a few weeks ago, Riley said, hey, would you come to the baby shower that was planned for yesterday? Because it's 2022, and now... Because it's have... my grandkid, and I want to be there. Are I'm you kidding, kidding me? Kidding, I love it. I love it. I'm so glad I was asked. But then I look at the calendar, I'm like, there's this board meeting on Saturday morning, what am I going to do? So I said, Ben, we're going to talk really fast. And he does not talk fast. So I'm like, we're going to talk really fast. We're going to get this done. So I was excited. Friday night, I'm ready to go. And I got in the car, and, and the, little, the little pressure gauge... Um, icon was on. We have one front left tire that in the cold is a little unhappy. I don't know why it's a new tire, but it's just kind of grumpy. So I went and filled it and the gauge didn't go off. And, and so I'm, I'm like, well, whatever. Yeah, whatever. The next morning I come out, back tire, flat as, just as flat as flat could be, took a roofing nail. And so, I, you know, I had timed it out that I'm going to be arriving right on time for this shower. And now I'm like, okay, changing. I can change a tire and an hour and a half or less. So uh, I got that. I mean, it, it, it's so goofy. You know, you don't change it until you got it. So spinning it down from underneath the car and all this stuff. And, and yeah, for those of you, I rode all the way home on the stupid donut. I know I'm not supposed to, but what choice did I have? So um, I found out that it only had like 20 pounds of pressure. It's supposed to have 60. So I went to fill it up. I spent five minutes on this stupid thing, getting it up to 40. Went to another gas station. It's getting later. It's it's getting later. I'm, the kid's going to be seven by the time I get home. <laughs> this is just not good. And I really wanted to be there, be with Riley's family, her parents, and whatever. So I arrived nice and late. But I, in fact, I arrived, I arrived just in time for gifts, which yeah. was so fun. Was, yeah. I knew <clears throat> nothing of what was on this registry because I... Well, let's think about it. Reading specialist. What's going to be on the registry? A library. A lot of books. It was amazing. Books, we have books, enough books. books to fill like three rooms now. And you can um, finally start reading. But what? Maybe I can learn. A is for Apple. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. One of the things that I, I am very thankful for that we got um, is that I didn't know that we needed this, but it's, a, it's an electronic booger sucker. <laughs> so you put it in I'm the I'm sure that's not the label. Flip, <laughs> that's, yeah, it's very delicately named. <laughs> E-booger sucker. Uh, <laughs> you turn it on, it sucks the boogers out. Uh, we had a friend that scared me that said they were going to get us 
the manual booger sucker. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a straw that's about this long. And you stick one, you stick one end in the nose. No. And there's a, there's a blocking mechanism that doesn't allow it to get no. to. No. But I still, I'm like, I maybe just will return this baby if that's what oh I have to do. Like, no, no. So we got the electronic one. So all boogers will be sucked and clean, and it's good. Oh, my Good morning, goodness. Southfield. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Ugh. I think we just let you go crusty. So anyway, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm sitting there singing and realizing we have one full month remaining until we meet this little human. Cannot wait. So excited to, to finally, I, I got the chance to write the, 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 front of the, the front of the book and describe all the things I can't wait to do with this child. We're going to have so much fun. Mm-hmm. Going to be great. Really, really great. Yep. Sure. So anyway, we'll, we'll move on. That's, that's that. Let's go to a little older kids. Because yeah. today, yeah. this afternoon, our high schoolers in Revive, we're not meeting here. We're not doing normal time. We're going over to Shanahan Lanes from 2 to 4.30, and we're going to be bowling like crazy. So we cool. have six lanes reserved. Um, any high school that wants to come out and bowl, we have those uh, blocked off for two and a half hours. So if you have to leave a little early, that's fine. I'm sure you'll get plenty of bowling in. Um, but I was asked a very important question this morning as I walked in. Brian, are we wearing costumes to the bowling alley? And Bob and I stood there while I was asked this question. I said, you're dressed like a yep. youth pastor. <laughs> well, no, I said, I'm, I'm dressed like, a, I'm dressed like a, a middle school history teacher. There you go. And all I have to do is this to change to the youth pastor, because for whatever reason... Well, they need to be bare. For whatever, yeah. But for whatever reason, uh, our junior hires are in a shoe theft season. Oh. So on Wednesday nights, we have to tie our shoes extra tight. So these shoes, <laughs> I couldn't wear them on Wednesdays. They'd be gone. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'll be dressed as myself. So if you want to wear a costume, feel free. Go crazy. But uh, I, I will not. We, we're not officially like dressing up for it. So, so cool. there you go. We're up, we're up against two of the best holidays of the year, I think, and National Collection, Candy Collection Day is tomorrow. I love that day. I love dressing up like a little kid and going out and getting all the candy I can. It's the best. No, sincerely, I, I am. I, I actually, I said last week, Halloween used to be my unfavorite because my, you know, my dad would go off to the, to the hall to decide whether or not they were going to approve their contract or not. So I'm glad I don't live under that anymore, and, I'm, and I really like the fact that I, that I get to be the candy passer instead of the candy giver. But then next week, the week of weeks, the best week of all, yep. our, our wonderful government grants us an extra hour of sleep. I just, oh, it's fantastic. It's the best. I love it. What are you going to do with that extra hour? I'm going to sleep. <laughs> I've, we are in practice mode, so I'm not going to sleep. Oh, okay. I'm going to be, I'm setting alarms. Do it again every morning, every 2.30, 4.30, just wake up, wake up. No. I'm definitely going to be sleeping, yeah. yeah. So and the fortunate thing is our clocks do most of the adjusting for yeah. us these days, but if you're still a manual person, uh, you want to make, make sure, sure to change. adjust that before mm-hmm. next Sunday or you'll be showing up at the, at the wrong time. Yeah. Would you go ahead and get the Bible? And uh, we're going to John 13. We're going to continue this week and next week looking at this passage and digging into the, uh, the realities of what it means to be a person who serves like Jesus. And, and I really want to hear... Uh, these words again from John 13. We're looking at verses 1, 1 to 17. Okay. Oh, that's got some nice pictures in it. It's yeah. a beautiful Bible. All right, so John 13, thanks. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them till the very end. 
It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come up from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. Jesus came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you really going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. Unless I wash you, I'm sorry, you, you will never ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you will not belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Hmm. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what it meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Hmm. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and you call me Lord. And you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you have seen these things and know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Hmm. I am not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones whom I have chosen. But this fulfills the scripture that says, the one who eats my food has turned against me. And I tell you this beforehand, so that when it happens, you will know that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth, anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming my Father who sent me. You get the privilege of serving each other in so many ways, and sometimes uh, the best service that we can provide is simply presence and prayer had some members of our family this past weekend who've gone through uh, really difficult times. Robert Viano lost his mother this past week, and so Robert and Laura are mourning that loss, as well as the Moore family and the Reed family. She made it to 97 years old, which is just amazing. I, I, I just quickly, while we were, while we were singing, I, I grabbed my phone because while I have a math teacher for a daughter and, and a, an accountant uh, for a kid, my math is rather horrible, and I was like, what if, what if this little baby lives to 97 years old? Lived to 2119. I mean, just kind of gives some perspective on 97 years. It's a long, rich life. And to be able to impact people and love people, and then, and then the privilege for Marilyn now of, of enjoying the presence of God in heaven. That's just, it's amazing. So hope you'll be in prayer for those families, as well as for... Um, Valerie Folletti, her, her husband, Mike, her mom went in for, for surgery this past week, and that surgery led to a stroke, and so they're, they're working through that with her. But um, it, it, we don't always have to be in the room to serve someone. Sometimes the best service we offer is lifting them up to God. So let's serve right now. Father God in heaven, we're grateful that you are the mountain mover. We're grateful that you are the one who parts the seas. And we're grateful that you are the God of all comfort and God of great power. I thank you for the, the, the ministry impact that Marilyn had on her family all these years and that today she gets to enjoy 
your presence in heaven. I pray for Mike's mom as well, that you will bring recovery and healing to her body. And Lord, I, I know that we all, we all have things we bring into your presence today and, and uh, in the quietness of our heart. We lift them to you right now. We pray for ourselves and we pray for our friends. How much we love you and love being loved by you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the topic of communication. It's, it's really a, a favorite area for me. I, I took communication uh, in college and uh, have enjoyed kind of studying it informally through the years. If I were ever to do uh, advanced graduate work, it would be in the area. I love the theory of it. I love the science of it, everything about it. It's just, it's really fascinating. So it was, it was a revelation, and you've probably seen this before, as I'm sitting in one of my early classes, that they say that 85% of communication is nonverbal. And, I, you know, of course, we think it's, it's, about, it's about the words coming out of our mouths. And yet when you start to break it down, you realize how much of communication has nothing to do with the words at all. For example, simply tone. Tone is not the word. Tone is nonverbal. And so I can say to my wife, I love you. And she goes, ah. Oh. And I can say, I love you. And she goes, what? I'm, what did you say? What mixed message, right? We, we can say, sure, I'd love to help. Or our 13-year-old can say, Sure, I'd love to help. And we, we hear the tone and say, mixed message, something's going on here, right? We know, we know that that's taking place. And then there, there are all the things that our body says as well. Our eyes speak. Our eyes can we, can, we can be saying something joyful with dead eyes. And there's a mixed message going on. Our, our, the rest of our face is important. We really learn that throughout, throughout the season of masks. I, I actually, early on with the masks, I realized that without the rest of my face, I have some of the meanest eyes in the history of earth. And so as I'd be walking through Jewel, I promise you I was at a safe distance. But if I saw a little kid, I'd pull my mask down and give him a smile. I wanted them to know that there was a happy person underneath there, that there was someone that enjoyed their presence. Obviously, these things talk. They're talking even now. And, and even the way you stand, the way you're standing can, can provide a leaning in energy or, or you're standing back or, or, you know, when you're standing doing this, it may, it may be that you're a tough guy, but boy, it looks like store closed. I, I'm not welcoming. I'm not here in order to, to bring you on in. So much of language is about the body, and it's about the nonverbal. So when we try to understand other cultures, it gets really confusing because I think when, when God confused language in, in Genesis chapter 11 at the Tower of Babel, he did not just create different languages, but he messed up body language too. He messed up the entirety of the way we speak, the whole thing, not just, not just the 15% of the words and so when we're trying to understand Scripture, for example, we, we're having to understand everything. Uh, we, we have to understand what's going on here, but also what's going on on there. What was going on in that part of the world? What's going on even now in Japan or in the Middle East or somewhere else? How do they communicate in a way that we don't? And we have to understand now the modern world as well as the ancient world and all the pieces that go into that. 
So you just kind of, you start looking through pieces of the body language and the way it works in the world, and it's fascinating. Around here, if you're going to offer a handshake in America, it better not feel like a dead fish. You, you better have some energy behind it, not too strong, don't break an arm, but, but you want to give enough of a squeeze, enough of a grip, that a person knows you're alive, they know you're energized, and they know, hey, this person's got some strength in wanting to be with me today. There are cultures that if your grip is too hard, people read that as offensive. There are African cultures that literally, you, you barely, you, you just barely squeeze the hand. It, it's, that's the way you shake in that culture. Imagine having to think through, how do we shake hands going from one place to another? Then there's the whole issue of the face, the smile, the lips. There are cultures where, I think in American culture, we want to see a smile. We want to see someone excited about seeing us. There are other cultures that if you're smiling, they view it as offensive. And there are some cultures you don't dare as a man smile at as a woman, and you don't dare as a woman smile at a man. In terms of the smile, keep going to the lips, this whole kissing thing. I would die in a culture where we have to walk up and kiss each other all the time. Greet each other with a holy kiss. I saw that verse and I'm like, no way. God, I'm disobeying. I'm not doing that one. Holy handshake, I'll go for it. Holy hug, but ain't no kissing. No, no, no. So, but there are other cultures, you know it, where you, every greeting, every time you walk in the room, kiss, 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 kiss. It's going on. How about the eyes? What do you do with the eyes? I love these eyes. Aren't they the best? This little guy. What do, the, what do you do with the eyes? You know, unfortunately, we've seen a retraining going on in our culture because of this thing. For too many people, their eyes are here. Instead of when somebody walks in the room, they actually look at them. But we know there's like, there's connecting with someone with the eyes, and then there's connecting too much. There comes a point that you need to look away. If you're just locked in like crazy, people start, you know? And there are actually cultures that if you lock in too long, they see that as a sign of aggression. You're about to take them on. And so, and so you got to be aware of the eyes. Then there are the feet. Feet are fun. I grew up in western New York, but I'm telling you, hillbilly at heart. My mom never wore shoes, and I don't like wearing shoes. I've told you before, I love walking out in the snow to get the mail in the winter. It's so fun. I love bare feet. I love them. There are cultures where if your feet are bare, this is a huge problem. Huge problem. I was talking to uh, Lalo Mestre on the way out, out of church the other day. He and his wife were both in the service of our country, and they're in, they're in the Middle East, <clears throat> and he said, we were taught <clears throat> that when you sit, you don't do this. If you, do the, if, you show, if you show the soul, it's an insult. I sit like this all the time. I'm ticking off half the world all the time <laughs> just by the way I sit. This lady doing a stretch, she's just ticked off half the world. This is crazy. But, but it boils down to the fact that it's just kind of a practical view that the foot is one of the dirtiest parts of the body and therefore carelessly showing it to someone else demonstrates disrespect. You may remember this event from 2008 where President Bush is in Iraq and a reporter is rather irritated with President Bush, and he starts flinging shoes at him. People always admired how quickly Bush could dove. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. But, but what was going on here, when you're watching this, 
the guy, he's not holding his shoes ready to wing him. He's not even necessarily looking to, to hit him and knock him out. He's looking to say, I completely disrespect you. I want nothing to do with you. And he threw shoes at him. So, you know, all this body language, we come to this chapter in John 13, and it's about dirty feet. It's about really, those are not mine, those are Kim's. Really dirty feet, really dirty feet. And it's hard for us to understand what's going on. Okay, I'll go because you're just getting grossed out. Booger sucker, dirty feet. What's wrong with this church? Anyway, <laughs> dirty feet, we, we don't understand it the way they understood it. We have a totally different perspective. If you were going to the house of a guest, you, you would, or, or if you were a guest at someone's house, you would bathe before you went. If you had the chance, you'd bathe before you went. And then you'd walk to the house in your sandals and your dirty feet. And so you arrive at the house, and it was a custom and a complimentary custom to wash the feet of the person as they arrived. But it was a lowly job. A slave did it. You did not give this job to a person of status. And so it was expected that when you entered a house, you'd have your feet washed by a slave. We've been talking here this week, last week, and next week about rethinking the serve, rethinking what the serve is all about, because I think to some degree, baby boomers messed it up. They just got us thinking wrong on the serve. And even if you're like me, blue-collar mentality messed it up. Some of the things, some of the ways that we approach life culturally have messed up the purity of the serve. The serve is not about finding fulfillment. The serve is not about the perfect fit, spiritual, uh, spiritual gifts and heart and abilities and personality and experiences. The, the serve is not like my blue-collar side wanting to just fill a need. There's a need, someone's got to do it, I'm jumping on it, I'm willing to do that. And it's not about being forced, whether it's forced by guilt or even for some of us, if you come from a, from a background where penance is involved, some people believe they have to serve in order to pay for their sin. Not biblical, but it's, but it's what we think. God says... I want you to serve like Jesus. And as you serve like Jesus, you become like Jesus. And so every time I'm taking on a serve, I'm just looking at how can I grow to be more like Jesus through this opportunity I'm being given to serve. And so last week, as we, as we tore into this, one of the things we realized for all those motivations, serving is motivated by deep love. It's motivated by deep love. And here's the thing. Sometimes we're serving and we're not feeling the love. We're not feeling love for God. We're not feeling love, love by God. We're not feeling love for the other person. We may say, well, this is a clear sign that I'm not supposed to be doing this serve. No, this is an opportunity to grow in love, to grow the love that God has for me and desires for me. John 13 says, Passover feast Jesus knows that he's about to go to the Father. Having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. That word end is the word teleos, and it could mean the end of his life, but it could also mean to the end of his love, to the fullest extent of his love. He loved them absolutely to the nth degree of love. 
And so we have Jesus just hours before his death serving his disciples, serving them. How can I serve is one of the questions we tend to ask. Who can I serve? Where can I serve? What can I do? Or even, what can I do for you? I'd encourage you to change the question. We talked about this at the end of last week. Change the question. Just move away from the word serve altogether and ask the question, how can I love well? Or maybe if that's kind of awkward wording for you. How can I love better? How can I show love better? How can I love well? How can I love better? So, he shows them the fullest extent of his love. That evening meal, the meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Or in other words, Jesus had the absolute power in this moment to end this thing, to take Judas out, to stop the plan. He had the power. He knew that he was coming from God, that he had come from God, and he's returning to God. And the next verse tells us, in light of all those things, he rose from the table and started serving his disciples. So here's what we need to know about serving. <laughs> Many people wait to be served. Many people aren't looking at how they can love well, they're looking at how they can be loved well. What can you do for me? You think about this moment, we already said, you would have been bathed, you would have come to the house, <clears throat> and when you arrived at the house, your feet would have been washed. They're in a room that is not theirs, so there's nobody there to wash feet. So here it comes, it's dinner time, 12 men who have spent three years with Jesus have the opportunity to act on Jesus' words. Have you ever been involved in training someone else, whether it's your child or, or kids, you're training them spiritually, and you're watching what you're doing, and you're going, I am an utter failure. <laughs> or even you, you work with adults, and you watch what they're doing, and you go, it's not getting through. Jesus, Son of God, creator of heaven and earth, is looking at these 12 and going, guys, are you kidding me, Really? What in the world? Because they're waiting to be served. If, if the lowliest job in the room is washing a foot, a bunch of people that are bickering all the time about who is the greatest aren't going to do that. Even for Jesus. Crazy. Why do people wait to be served? Misplaced love. It's not that they don't see the opportunity. It's not all that. It's they simply have misplaced love. They don't have the love for God that they should. They don't experience the love from God that they should. And they don't have compassion for other people the way that they should. And so there's misplaced love. And God wants to grow love in us through the serve. I found this ironic. Luke 22 is where Jesus is distributing communion, Last Supper, instituting this with his church, right? Look at verse 20, 23. They began to question among themselves which of them might be the one to do this. So it's about the betrayal. And then a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered the greatest. We're in the upper room. It's the Last Supper. Jesus has announced he's about to die. And they say, so, is it me? Is it you? Who's the greatest? Are you kidding me? Have you ever done something in a really inappropriate moment? 
You know, my brother and I used to get in little pinching wars sitting in church. My dad was good at seeing that. And one time, up, out, hello, and came back in. I was reminded, we don't do that in church. Resume that at home. No, we weren't supposed to be pinching at all. Every once in a while, we'd have a family funeral. And little kids at a family funeral, what do you do? I mean, you don't know what's going on. So you start having fun. And a parent would come over and give you the look. They didn't say the words, body language. They'd give you the look, and you'd sit down and be quiet. Rather inappropriate time to be talking about who's the greatest. This is how they were wired. Misplaced love. Misplaced love. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel on his waist. I don't mean this disrespectfully, but he put on the costume of a servant. He didn't just do the job of a servant. He put on the actual attire of a servant. He said, I don't want you to miss this. And, and I'm just thinking this has got to be, here's this awkward moment. He hasn't had to say a word. Already the disciples are going, ah, I should have grabbed the towel. I should have grabbed the basin. Now we've got to go through Jesus doing this for us. So he starts around the room, washing the feet, drying the feet, washing the feet, drying the feet. And then the guy who's always got to say a word, Peter, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I wish it said, and Jesus said, duh. You know, what do you think I'm doing here? And Jesus says, you don't realize what I'm doing right now, but you will eventually. No, you will not wash my feet. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Here's what we learn. It's kind of crazy. Serving is not always well received. We think we're loving somebody well, and sometimes they reject the serving that we're offering them. And then we go, what do you do with that? In a sense, in this moment, it's not so much about them and their reaction is, am I going to continue to love you even when you're not acting lovely? Am I going to continue to love you even in a moment that's awkward? Years ago now, I was involved in helping to lead a youth group. And uh, around Easter, we decided we wanted to have some fun with the kids, and so we were going to wash their feet. These 20 high schoolers show up with high school feet in seekers, in socks, and we're like, we're going to wash your feet. So they sat, they sat on chairs or in a circle, and um, we'd go up and we'd take their shoes off, take their socks off, try to ignore the lint bunnies and all that between the toes, and we'd take their feet and put it in the basin, wash it, take it out, dry their feet. Three or four of us doing this, and, and it just, it was long. And it was funny, the kids all had different reactions, right? Some of them were very quiet, some of them giggled, some of them were like, I don't like this, you know, all that sort of stuff. So we, we do this and we get done. And I get up to explain what we've just done. And the kids say, wait, 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 wait. It's our turn to wash your feet. No, you will not touch my feet. Can you believe I did that? Total Peter moment. No, you will not touch my feet. And they're like, really? I'm like, oh my word. I don't want you to see my feet. I don't want you to touch my feet. I don't want my feet being wet. Okay. Go ahead. I rejected the serve that I was literally offering. Sometimes the serve is not well received, but we serve anyway. We serve anyway. God wants to grow something in us. So then Peter, in Peter fashion, you know, he messes it all up. No, I won't. Unless 
I wash your feet. You have no part with me. Well, Jesus, Peter wants to be part with Jesus. He says, full body bath, let's go. Clean me up. And Jesus says, you already took a bath. All you need is clean feet. And it's interesting because while this whole lesson is about serving, Peter's little bunny trail here teaches a whole other lesson. That when we become believers, we are washed. We are completely clean. But then we walk the path of life every day, and as we walk the path of life, we sin. Our spiritual feet get dirty. And we need to come back in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. We still need those times to come back and confess. We're forgiven, but there's sin blocking our relationship. We need our feet cleaned by Jesus. Not our whole body. Our whole body is already cleaned. Our soul is already cleaned, but we need our feet cleaned by Jesus. Serving will not always be well-received. There's another thing here that we need to understand is that serving is rooted in deep humility. Humility is not a valued attribute in modern American society. Humble people are, are considered, they're not considered. <laughs> that's, that's the bottom line of it. They're not even considered. We, we don't value humility. <clears throat> and I would dare say our lack of value of humility has us exactly where we are today. Because the opposite of humility is pride. We're very proud people. We're not very humble people. We don't walk humbly with our God. So he gets done, finishes washing his feet, puts his clothes back on, returns to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? I'm surprised Peter said, yeah, you washed my feet. No, he didn't. He says he, he's quiet for a change. You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and that's right. He's doing a, a greater lesser analogy, a greater lesser comparison. He's acknowledging, yes, in this role, I am greater than you. I am your teacher. I am your Lord. And I've washed your feet. If I, as the most prominent person in the room, can stoop to the lowest place in the room, you can too. You can too. We all can too. Set an example. You should follow this. Truly, truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a message greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Time and time again, Scripture reminds us of the heart of Jesus, that the heart of Jesus is a humble heart. Philippians 2, Paul's talking about, hey, you want to be an active part of this body? Look at verse 3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress each other. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. We're not going to have an I am the greatest contest. We're going to have an I am the least contest. Don't look out for your own interests. Don't just pay attention to your own feet. Look for the interests of others too. And then he goes on to describe the attitude, the mindset of Jesus, the mindset that we're all supposed to have, that the serve is teaching us. The serve is forming us. It's forming Jesus in us. Have this attitude. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. It's not that he gave up being God, but he gave up his divine abilities while he was a human being. Set him aside. Instead, gave up those divine privileges. He, he took on the humble position of a slave. Quite literally, he takes on the humble position of the slave. In his death, he took on the humble position of the slave. In his birth, he took on the humble position of a slave. 
He died an obedient death on the cross, and because of that, God elevates elevates him to a place of greatness and honor. Serving is rooted in deep humility. If you think you are being humbled by your serve, yay. God wants us to grow in humility. And finally, serving is an imitation of Jesus. Truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you go do them. We looked at Luke 22 already. Peter, Jesus is talking about the way it works in the world. People of authority, people of submission. He says in verse 26, it's going to be different among you. Those who are the greatest should take the lowliest ranks. The leader should be like the servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Well, of course, the one who sits at the table is more important, but not in the kingdom of God. For I am among you as one who serves. He doesn't even say you should be a servant. He says, I'm a servant among you. The one who created your fingers and toes is a servant among you. So Jesus called them together. You know the rulers of this world lord it over the people. The officials flaunt their authority over those who are under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be the leader must be the servant. Whoever wants to be first must become slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. And so serving, said it many times through the years, serving is not about getting the work done. Serving is about the work God is doing in our hearts. It's about growing us in humility. It's about growing us in love. It's about growing us to be like Jesus. We're to serve like Jesus. And so, be thinking about it again this week. How can I love well? Not what can I do, not how can I get involved. How can I love well? Or if that wording is weird for you, how can I love better? What can I do to love really well? So for communion, I want to take those questions with us today. We're going to take those questions with us. We're literally, we'll walk to communion, music will be playing, and the words will be on the screen. The words that ask the question, how can I love well? I want you to take time when you're sitting there, whether holding the bread and cup or you've already taken the bread and cup, to just start to review what are some of the ways God has been calling you to love, calling you to walk, wash feet, and maybe you've resisted it. Or maybe you're looking and saying, wow, I've actually been listening to the call of God. People have been resisting the, the serve I've offered, and I thought I was doing it wrong, when in fact, that's just part of the way the serve works. How is God growing humility in me? How is God growing love in me? We walk to communion. There are tables at the front and the back, gluten-free on either side of the platform here as well as the table at the back. Now, Father God, grow in us a love that looks like Jesus. Let us set aside our petty areas of fulfillment and fit of just filling a slot or being forced. And let us instead grow in the purest motivation of all, the motivation of love. For we know that as we grow in love, we grow in Christ. And we want Christ formed in us. 
We know along the way we will be humbled, we will be rejected, we will get tired, and all of that is part of the serve that helps us to look more like your son. We invite it. In Jesus' name, amen. The song was beautiful. I am moved. <laughs> so, I'm the one that puts together slides, and somehow, someway, I missed getting the song embedded in the slide. And here's what's funny. This is what God teaches me in serves. And this isn't a setup. This is God. I didn't do this, okay? I like to get it right. I do. I like to get it right. And so when it doesn't go right, I just get irritated with me. Really irritated with me. I should have got it right. There were so many serves this week that kind of culminate in this moment lesson of no music. Areas that I tried hard and I didn't get it right. And God uses those serves to grow something in us. Sorry you had to endure my lesson, but God had that one for me today. So um, there's something that God teaches you through serving. And if it keeps coming up again and again, like a good parent, he's saying, you're not getting it yet, sonny. You're missing it, girly. Come on. Go to that prayer, Michelle. The next one. Thanks. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on, your, on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body on earth but yours. We could look at this prayer as a real find a need and fill it. I really think the greater part of this prayer is be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Go be Jesus to your world. And so in every possible way this week, how can I love well? How can I love better? Not how can I do the job more perfectly, how can I love better? How can I love well? How can I be Jesus in my world? It is 10 a.m. Class dismissed. See ya. <laughs>